0: It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Columbia, Columbia, it's it.
1: Alrighty. Welcome, everybody, to the TKW Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Corbo. You can follow me on Twitter at CorboAnthony. Uh, joining me today on this episode, I have one of my favorite co-hosts, uh, Brian Gibberman.
2: I feel like I haven't been on the show in like three months, but it's only been two episodes. I know, I think. right?
1: I did the same thing. Like I took a, I took like a week off, you know, to go back home, visit some family and stuff. And it's just like, I felt like I hadn't podcasted like since last season. It's, it's so strange. Um,
2: it, it is. It, I think we are used to doing it so consistently yeah. that when we don't,
1: it's a grind, man. Uh, make sure you're following Brian at, uh, Brian Giverman I'm so used to doing Kyle's introductions first. I I like started for a second, almost called you Kyle Maschio. Uh, Kyle's taking the night off for tonight. Uh, We are not going to get too much into uh, the game against the Pacers in which the Knicks suffered another loss. But the main story here, what we're going to be focusing on, uh, the biggest thing to come out of New York this weekend is Le'Veon Bell is a New York Jet. Give me your takes, Brian. Now, I'm I'm not a – you know I'm not a football person. I'm not – like, it's, it's just – it's the one sport I kind of have to cut out because I just do not have the time. Uh, so give me – but at, raised in a household that was half Jets, half Giants. Yesterday was a very strange day altogether. So just give me what your take is here.
2: Yeah, we got we we got to talk Jets and Giants, actually. This is a basketball podcast that we're talking about football. I mean, I don't think you can get away from what happened. The Jets signed the biggest name on the market in terms of, I would say – visibility and who people know there's arguments to be made about how much running back matters in Levy. And so there is some criticism from people for the jets giving Levy on bell that contract. But, and I'm not, I am actually like the, the degrees of which running back is overvalued in football is tough because I think basically any, any position besides quarterback, you can basically plug someone else in and, for some reason we've put like such a heavy level of concentration on running back in those terms, but we don't do that for other positions, but the lifespan of a running back is shorter. So it's, I understand the concerns that he's had a 1500 carries or 1500 touches or whatever in his career to this point, but the, the jets, they had so much cap space And you have Darnold on his rookie contract, and he's super cheap compared to what quarterbacks around the league are paid, especially good ones. And they were so – the roster was – it just needed talent across the board. And it was smart for them to go out and get the best offensive player who was available even though he's at a position that people consider not to be as valuable – and then his involvement in the pass game, and he's a pretty decent pass blocker. So that does make him more important than your typical running back. We're not talking about like Adrian Peterson here, who you just hand the ball off to. And then on passing downs, he does nothing. The passing part is the most important part of football. So you want your running backs to be able to be involved in those situations, and Le'Veon Bell can.
1: Now, again, I, I didn't even know what position Le'Veon Bell played. All I do know is that he uh, <laughs> signed a, a four-year, mil, uh, $52.5 million contract with the New York Jets. And that is approximately the same contract that Miles Plumley signed a couple of years ago. Uh, the okay, difference two, is two, two, Le'Veon Bell sat out a whole year to get that contract.
2: And in reality, he's actually getting paid less than Miles Plumley because only $35 million of that contract is guaranteed.
1: It's a fascinating difference that, uh, between these sports leagues, what they can bring. Um, have the Jets made any other moves? Like, what, what else am I waiting out on?
2: Yeah, no. So they – look, going into the free agency and draft because their general manager, Mike Mcagnan has done such a terrible job these past four years that they literally, they probably needed to get eight to 10 above average starters added to this roster, which is basically half of your, the 22 players start. So that's basically almost half of your starting offense and defense in some form that they need to add to actually be good this season. And they got a good slot receiver uh, kid out of the re- from the Redskins, Jamison Crowder, who I, sp- pretty good. Uh, they got I, I don't know how Osemili I don't know how to pronounce his first name, and from the Raiders, who had a reputation as one of the best offensive guards in the league, and then last year supposedly fell off. I don't know anything about offensive line pad play, but that's the reputation of what happened these past three years then they added um middle linebacker cj mosley they gave him 51 million dollars guaranteed the most ever for that position and he's made a pro bowl four straight years he's 26 27 years old so they've already gotten four players that at worst are average and two of them were considered the best player at that position in free agency at one time osemely was had a reputation as the the best guard in football. So not only they got guys with a decent floor and pretty high upside, and Crowder fits into uh, he'll fit with Darnold's skill set pretty well. So, but they got to finish it off. They still need they still need a cornerback. They need a they need a center. They need an edge rusher. Um, they probably want, they might want another running back. They might stick with the two guys behind them. They could add another wide receiver. Uh, they need a backup tight end they need more defensive linemen they need offensive line depth uh, this roster even with all the big names and all the money spent so far it's still a work in progress and there's a long way to go
1: so the the nfl draft is on april it begins on april 25th it ends on saturday april 27th that's always fascinated to me as an outsider to the sport uh just the length of it but so what tell me tell me what picks the jets have in this draft and just what exactly they're looking for like what kind of talent could they be finding in there it's it's such a long draft I don't exactly know you know what each round necessarily represents from a talent standpoint but you know what what picks do the 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 jets have and what do you think they're going to be focusing on
2: so they have the third overall pick and then they don't have a second rounder they have two third rounders and then they have picks filtered in between in the fourth fifth sixth and seventh I'm not sure off the top of my head what they do and what they don't have at three. Like the guy who's getting projected to them most in the mock drafts that are being done is this Alabama defensive tackle Quinn Williams. I I fully admit I haven't like gone through. There was a time when I used to go through and I used to watch like a lot of stuff for the draft and I don't do that anymore, but the jets have drafted interior defensive linemen with Leonard Williams, Mo Wilkerson, sheldon richardson they've invested so many resources at that position and it'd be it's insane if they do that again they should not i i don't know the talent of the player but just from a roster construction standpoint if they're going to draft a defensive player you want it to either be an edge rusher or a cornerback because those are positions that are more important and you don't – they can't – you need to – as I said with Bell, you want to impact the passing game. So they want to – if it's a defensive player, if that's the way they decide to go, there's a couple different guys who play edge rusher. You, the the dream scenario is Nick Bosa falls. The 49ers just traded for D Ford, so maybe they might not take him. They could – and you you got Haskins and Kyler Murray. There's even been rumors about Daniel Jones, the do quarterback, that – Any of those, some combination of those guys go one, two, and Bosa falls in to the Jets lap. That would be the best case scenario. They could trade back and accumulate more picks. That's always a smart thing to do in the NFL draft. There's a bunch of studies into that about why that makes sense. Look them up on Google. And then, uh, yeah, they just got the positions I basically mentioned before. Offensive line, edge rusher, cornerback, safety depth, backup tight end. The same things that they would address in free agency, kind of whatever they don't get there, you're going to want to filter in through the draft.
1: Um, all of those names, I, I recognize one of those names that you just spoke there. I recognize Kyler was- Murray, and that was the, uh, the only name that I recognized in that entire pool of players. I imagine that that is how like outsiders uh, to the NBA must feel whenever we are speaking about, you know. I mean, even out, like outside of Zion Williamson, I don't even think that most play, most people, or most you know, light basketball fans know who is on Duke other than Zion Williamson. I have a feeling he is the one player there. Uh, I, I feel like in most draft classes, to outsiders of from the sport, people who don't follow it so intently, there are um, at a maximum two names you're going to know from any draft class.
2: I, I figured Bosa was the dude you were going to know. I didn't think Kyler Murray. Well,
1: first time hearing that. I think I, Kyler Murray's the dude who was going to play baseball, right?
2: Yeah, I should have yeah. I should have thought that. I thought, like, Ohio State, his brother was a high draft pick. Mm. Like, the family, I thought you might have known Bosa. I didn't think the baseball angle definitely made Kyler Murray the more well-known name it's to, like, name. non-football fans. Bosa it is. is a he, name, I, yeah. I feel, oh, Bosa, yeah. Bo, his brother's a beast. He's on the Chargers. I feel like if you have the last name Bosa, you're automatically good at football.
1: Kyler is a very strange name. Kyler is just, like, I, I feel like we should inquire with Kyle about this next time, but, it, I mean, it's really just Kyle with an R at the end of it, and I'm just, I, I, I wonder exactly what that means. I wonder if there is a cultural, uh, like, origin to that, or I wonder if it just means you, you drink more monster energy than anybody else named Kyle.
2: You should write a note so we remember to do that next week. And doesn't that that name's more of a baseball player name than that a football player? That is way more
1: name. more of a baseball player name. That's why it was more striking than anything. Um, we are going to get to the fascinating Jim Dolan audio from the Michael K show today, uh, or on a was that Tuesday it came out. But uh, before we do that, uh, one more thing before we get off the football route. Odell Beckham jr is obviously the other domino to fall yesterday. He was traded out of the out of New York off of the Giants to the Cleveland Browns uh neither of us necessarily are Giants fans here, but that was nearly as shocking to me as the Chris Ops Porzingis trade, although I had heard rumors of it like beforehand for a couple of weeks now, but it was kind of shocking to me uh it's just it's very strange to see just the New York way be Trade all of your young players out of New York ahead of time, and it was just even more fascinating that, like, opposite of the Kristoff situation, they traded Odell right after they signed him.
2: It's it's lit, it's insane that they traded him.
1: I mean, and Odell they held on is to a ton of his money, right?
2: Yeah, they they hit like a seventeen million dollar cap charge. Odell isn't just he, he's a generationally amazing football player. But here's the last, this is Bill Barnwell had this in his article. The past five seasons when Odell has played, the Giants are 25 and 34. That's a 42% winning percentage. And they've scored 22.6 points per game. When Odell hasn't played, the Giants are six and 15. That's a 28 winning percentage. There and they've only scored eighteen point five points per game.
1: He has that's missed a not, lot of time, though. That that is the knock on him, correct?
2: Yeah, he's got an injured. He's got an injured. He was injured his rookie year. He got he was banged up, I think, a little bit last year. Even though he played most of the season, and the year before, he missed a good amount of time with with injuries. But oh. they didn't get. It's just I don't. You that's a dude you don't trade. That, sounds, that's a football player you don't trade
1: it sounds very similar this not necessarily a football player but it sounds very similar to somebody else a, a uh, injury prone young player possibly uh you know of a, of a very high talent level who is also shipped out of New York recently but we won't mention who um,
2: he's bet he, he's he's better than him like I, this I is agree. even more it's even more extreme than that
1: I am thinking I've been thinking about this all day and I, I think I might Record it to digital. I would I would say tape, but I can't. Uh, I think I might be a Browns fan. I think I might do it.
2: That would be an excellent decision. I that team is lose. filthy, filthy good. Are Were you? Wait. So were you a Jets or Giants fan?
1: Um, I I waffled for a while. My my father was a devout Jets fan. My mother a devout Giants fan. Uh, so growing up, I was very very on the fence. Uh, I. I think early in college I was a Giants fan, then I went to a Jets fan, and then I kind of realized I just don't really watch football, so it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, but yeah, now I might just go full 180 and, and do the whole, uh, do the Browns.
2: Watching the Browns 16 times a year in the regular season, plus whatever, however far they go in the playoffs, would be an excellent life decision.
1: I was listening on, uh, on uh, the Levitard show today, and Stan Van Gundy doesn't think that the Browns make the playoffs.
2: Stan Van Gundy should not talk about football anymore.
1: I I would agree with that. Um, let's talk to another, let's talk about another sensational uh, personality coming on to the radio waves this week. But before we do that, I just want to remind everybody to please uh, give us a, give us a review, give us a subscription. Uh, how about some five stars on the platform, uh, the podcast platform of your choice Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, you know, head to the Twitter streams. Make sure you, you uh, are subscribed and make sure you like us there. You're following us. Whatever you gotta do. Uh, you- they're not gonna show you our retweets and and you know, like numbers soon, but don't worry about that. We're not worried about the clout. We just want to know that we're engaged with y'all, and that's what it's all about. Um, yeah, just uh, you know, do all that stuff. Find us there. You know what to do. Um, let's get into this Michael K show interview with James Dolan. Uh this came on the heels of Dolan uh over the weekend ejecting a fan, uh telling him after after a loss nonetheless, but ejecting a fan, uh essentially issuing him a lifetime ban to Madison Square Garden, uh telling the security guards to hold him for somebody named Kevin. And then um yeah, there was a A whole big thing, he sold the video to TMZ, and then James Dolan went on the Michael K. show to describe his side of things. Uh, We're going to get into exactly what Dolan has to say, exactly how he defended himself on here. Uh, but I want to—I uh, want to delight you all with this little clip that came towards the end of the show. First,
0: you know, um, look, I did want to. The, uh, you mind if—no, uh, please, you can give us your time. Should, uh, where's the commercials? We pushed <laughs> them. You we here pushed them. Nah, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, run a commercial. I'll come back. <laughs> the. the uh, uh, all right, yeah. Uh, yep, 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 yep. We covered that. We covered that. Um, I love when Jim brings notes. It, it right. shows well, he's know, he the, the, the prepared. Yeah. The um, yeah, sometimes um, when uh, bump bump people. It's, uh, uh, if this was a hip hop freestyle, though, he'd be getting crucified on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> <right laughs> <now. laughs> um, no, I think you know. I think look, we we covered it all. Look,
1: it's it's just he's <laughs> just he's dying for a commercial break. The whole show. There's no commercial break. The whole time. He is under high pressure from Michael K and his co-hosts on the show, and he's just. And Dolan is just, he has a whole notepad in front of him. He has a folder. He has essentially a file cabinet in front of him with all of the points that Nick's PR has prepared for him to hit on, or MSG PR or whatever, to hit on, so that he leaves no stone unturned. And he literally, this man literally has to go at the end, dig through, and make sure he covered everything just to cover his own bases.
2: <laughs> It'll... Up- a little inside radio is basically when you have a big-name guest like that, what you do is you push off your commercials so they can be there for longer plus they don't have to sit around and do nothing for four or five minutes. Typically, someone doesn't want to do that. They don't want, You don't want to waste their time, so you get them in and out as quickly as possible while having them on for as long as possible. And Dolan is the was the complete opposite, and he actually wanted the commercial break so he could have went through his stuff and gotten a chance and not done it on air. I thought that was really funny.
0: It's
1: just it, the just the level of like just convolution, uh, you know, whether 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 things are good, whether things are bad, everything just still seems a little chaotic when it comes to this franchise. And I feel like just play a little play a little clip of that again real quick.
0: Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, yep. 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 We covered that. We covered that. Um. It,
1: it's just it that just that noise right there, I feel like sums up the brains of Knicks fans for, you know, nearly 20 years now at this point. Just just turning, flipping through the pages, trying to see what comes next. Just just trying to make a note of what worked and what didn't. And and just ending up at this uh, right back at the beginning anyway, it's fascinating.
2: What was the next part of the interview that you found most interesting?
1: Um, from there, I, I well, I think the the parts that really started striking me. The one thing that's really stood out to me, you know, and, and it's been you know this will go out on Thursday morning. Now we're recording on Wednesday night, but um, you know the the thing that's really still stuck out to me to this point is how. Assured he really was when it came to this summer and how they and specifically free agency. Take a listen.
0: New York is the mecca of basketball, right? And we hear from people all the time, right? From players, from you know, representatives. It's about who wants to come. Mm-hmm. The the, the uh, we can't respond because of the NBA rules, etc. But that doesn't stop them from telling us, right? The the and they do. The the uh, and I can tell you from what we've heard. I think we're going to have a very successful off when it comes to free agents. The, the uh, and uh, you know the thing about the team now is that you know it's all it's very young. It's the youngest team in the NBA, right? The uh, and you take a look at at some of the players that we have, and they won't be the you know the centerpiece of the team, mm-hmm. but as complements to the centerpieces of the team, right? We're mm-hmm. developing them right now.
1: So he just. The way he speaks about it, just the tone in his voice is just—he, it's like he, like he's giving you a hint. It's like he's saying that with a wink. I'm surprised he didn't actually wink on air.
2: He shouldn't have done that.
1: I know it's—it's it's esque and the whole way that he keeps on saying, like he says it throughout the interview. You know, you can say it, but I can't. But it just seems like everything he's saying is with a, you know, a wink and a nod, and. It's encouraging, it makes me feel good, but just I uh, just the the combativeness, the uh, you know, just it just really this did nothing to really dissuade the war between Dolan and the fans, you know, despite him trying to give us his little assurances throughout the whole thing.
2: We um that would if we were doing the tea we're not doing the tea leaves segment just because this Dolan interview is so big, right. but we're if we were just gonna run that, this with <laughs> the whole show. That that would just have been like oh, dropping a giant. That is it right That's why we don't need to do that segment today because
1: that is that is it right in itself.
2: <laughs> oh, if man. we. I mean, um, I don't
1: know if we're still if we still need to ride the percentage meter out at this point here, but we're getting pretty damn high at this point. Like we are, we're really, really, really getting to the the high percentiles on on where we think you know how how assured we are of Kevin Durant coming to the Knicks.
2: Man, what and a they point guard of some sort. What a disaster if it doesn't now.
1: What? Uh, let's uh, real quick, and we'll get right back into this real quick. I I heard something today. I forgot who who it came from, but do you think that Kemba might actually be a little bit more likely than Kyrie?
2: No, I'm going to stick with Kyrie because of his and Durant's relationship. Kemba wouldn't be. If you get KD, I'm fine with them signing Cam I
1: agree with that. All right. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, just the way that Dolan, you know, describes – It's it, I mean, he gives the same answer for just about everything. You can tell he's prepared, you know, obviously prepared with his notes. But, you know, it, it just – he it just really makes you think that he knows more than he's letting on to. This whole thing has been about, you know, this whole back half of the season since Christmas Day pretty much has been – you know, about media members or or rather in you know media members and inside insiders to the Knicks letting us on to, you know, we know a little bit more than you do, but once you know, oh boy, you're gonna be you're gonna be happy. Um it it's I yeah, it just still feels like we're stirring the pot up a little bit too much and something has to boil over before it gets a little bit better.
2: It's it's nuts how it just seems like everyone knows and everyone is just saying it out loud and the info is coming from somewhere and if this doesn't happen now look, I'd be frustrated I think it would be so incredible if it didn't happen this point I would laugh more than be angry
1: it's, yeah, it's like I mean, I would still be angry. There. I mean, I think you're going to see this might actually be the breaking point for a lot of people when it comes to to Knicks fandom. I, I think that this might actually be a thing where it's like, you know, you got you sold off Kristaps and essentially got because I, I I still think when it comes to the Porzingis trade, people aren't necessarily considering what we tangibly got for Porzingis as being the haul. I think it's more the you know the aspirations for outside free agents that. Is really the the end result of the Kristaps Porzingis trade, um, so I think at that point you're going to see a lot of people this summer. If we don't end up with any notable, uh, you know, notable players on this team, if we just end up with another group of stopgap players, that's when you're going to have the people saying like, "Well, you sold off KP for nothing. You didn't get anything in free agency,
2: and we're done." I'm um, I'm not of that mind, but it I do I agree. It, There's
1: though. Yeah, yeah, yeah! I, I, yeah. I totally get it. From there.
2: Yeah, not, not, I wouldn't blame anyone for taking that path.
1: Um, so, some of the other points that we can look at in in this uh, this fascinating inside look at at James Dolan amongst the the current Knicks chaos on the Michael K show. Um, let Let's take a look at just him addressing all of the. The rumors on him selling the team that were coming around last month, and just just where that's where that is right now. On the last podcast, Kyle and I spoke about, you know, just how sensitive it seems like Dolan had become at this point. You know, just how you know how he's reacting to things. It seems like he's really bothered by the sell the team comments. And honestly, I don't think that his appearance on Michael K really did anything to to you know distract from that at all. You know, here's what he had to say about where his position on the team is right now.
0: Right. First, of all, I'm not a quitter. I don't do that. The, the, the uh, you know. Um, and so, just for the record, I am not selling the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, 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 And I am not quitting. And neither is Steve, and neither is Scott, and neither are any of the mm-hmm. players. We're going to keep coming there. We're going to keep playing. We're going to keep developing and working and doing what we think. And to be honest, most of the fans get it. They really do. And, and probably the best example, <laughs> the best proof of that... Is you know, as you take a look at our record, and then take a look at our our attendance, mm-hmm. right? We have you know almost full houses for every game. A team that's thirteen and fifty-two, mm-hmm. right? The the uh, you know, I don't think you've probably ever seen that in in the NBA.
1: So he's saying, you know, pretty unabashedly, I'm staying. He said the fans understand their plan, but he is not going anywhere. As he says, he is he is selling the team he just stopped shortly out of saying that he's not selling under any circumstance but you know he he is at this point like he he seems committed he seems like he wants to see it through and yet i still don't quite know what his level of, of involvement will
2: be moving forward in what sense
1: i mean like i i, I don't know if we're going back to if like Moving forward now, now you see everything that's happened so far. You see the fan response that, when it, you know, from the whole sell the team comments to just the, you know, the, the uh, you know, just vitriol that's thrown his way, you know, on, on, on a daily and weekly basis from from Knicks fans and a yearly basis really. Just they're very frustrated with him, and it seems like fans tend to be very frustrated with Dolan, regardless of how involved he is with the team. Um, so I don't know what, how he handles that. I don't know if he goes back to the, you know, Isaiah areas, you know, time where he was functioning as a, as a, you know, like a, a proxy for a president of basketball operations at a certain point, or if he is going to go to the Phil Jackson day where he totally stood out of it and, you know, it was pretty quiet for nearly, you know, two years. Um, I just, you know, what, what do you think becomes of, of where, James Dolan will be, you know, his involvement with the Knicks after say this summer or even this summer.
0: Well,
2: it depends. Do we believe what he said on the Michael K show or not? And here's what he said about that exact topic with when K asked him or one of the guys asked him if his role has changed since Bill Jackson has left.
0: You know, I'm a little more supportive, right? The, the uh, but it's, it's, Pretty much the same. I mean, I've known Steve for a long time, so I mean, so we talk, right? But I mean, I don't tell him what trades to make. I don't tell him right how to run the club, right? The the it was his, you know, um, you know, the coach was his selection, right? The, the uh, um, but you had to approve Porzingis. He can't make a trade like that without going. Oh to you. yeah, no, I, I did. But I mean, I think the rationale, right, was was really quite solid. Right. The, the uh, and in the end, if if I said I don't want you to trade Forzingers, and Steve said to me, you know what, I really want, I really feel we should do this, then he would get to do it. Right. The, really? Yes, really. No, because look, in the end, I recognize right. Mm-hmm. but Steve Mills, right, Scott Perry, they live, breathe, eat basketball their whole lives. Right. The 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 uh, um, they're smart guys. The, the uh, and I think they know what they're doing. Right. I do not live, breathe, eat basketball. I'm much more of just a fan. You ask me why I sit where I sit? It's because I'm a fan, right? They're the best seats in the house for a fan, right? The, the uh, um, So, you know, if they're like, no, Jim, we think this is absolutely the right
2: thing to do, then Hit. they're off to do it. Anthony, I think I'm, I'm going to take him at his word there. I really, I don't know why, and it could end up making me look like an idiot But I think what he's saying to this point through Phil and how he's been with Mills and Perry in charge is that he's let these guys make the basketball decisions. And I listened to him and I said him admitting that he doesn't know anything about basketball. I find comforting in a little way. He said that's showing some
1: he said that before, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it it shows some self awareness, and maybe three years from now I'll look like an idiot. And he's been involved this whole time, and he was the one pulling the strings. No, I don't. Think traded he... K, but but right now I'm um, I'm taking him at his word, and I believe that he's staying out of it, and he's letting the basketball guys do basketball things. I don't
1: take to have. I think that that I think that's actually more correct than you know the other side of things. I think, and you know why I think that I think that. You're sound in thinking that is because he did admit that you know when something big does go down you know he is absolutely consulted like when they did want to trade christoph Sporzingis, both times both the you know we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, but you know both times that they that christoph sporzingus's name was, was brought into the trade conversation both the time that he was not traded at the at the twenty seventeen draft and when he actually was traded at this deadline uh it you know he he mentioned that he need you know he vetoed one of it, and then he you know they came to him later, and they said that and you know he he then okayed it. But he also said that if Steve and Scott wanted to go ahead and trade Porzingis, you know, and he said no, ultimately they could still do that if they wanted to because it's their call. They run the team. I I I tend to agree with you more than I disagree with you on that. That I I think that Jim Dolan, for most intents and purposes stays out of the the day-to-day basketball decisions but absolutely wants a at least a voice in the long-term planning
2: yeah he just wants to be kept abreast of what is happening and him signing off on big moves I, that's just the reality of
1: that's any what owner.
2: happens yeah that's any owner even the most uninvolved owner they they have to sign off on stuff that right. go there's certain things like they're not signing off on signing the 15th guy if they're not involved right an owner, is, even not, in,
1: an owner is not just a job title like literally he owns the team you know he in the <laughs> group of stockholders but you know our shareholders but he he owns the team like it's these are you know this is his you know primarily his investment here so when you're going to move a major piece you know i'm i'm This is obviously, you know, an athlete and a player we're talking about here, you know, but, but ultimately this is, he plays a role in this larger organization that Jim Dolan owns. And, you know, when that kind of changes, when that player is no longer going to be with the team, like that is something that you don't want your owner finding out through the news.
2: Yeah, I don't think that would go over too well. Imagine if Dolan was just chilling at home and he turned on the TV and he (laughs) saw him saying it's got traded.
1: Yeah, it's I. I mean, I don't even know if that makes a headline on Fox News for him. So I don't know. But uh, so let's get into the let's get into the Phil Jackson side of things a little bit here. Um, so we t- we talked about he said that you know has his role really changed since Phil Jackson left. Yeah, you know, we're arguing a little bit more for no, but that's not necessary. Yeah, we don't we don't really have any way of knowing that necessarily. Um, the interesting thing I feel happened. Uh, you know when, when he and Michael Kay were just kind of talking about what went down with Phil Jackson, and why, why don 't we just kind of take a listen to that clip now
0: <sighs> look, they, I have a lot of respect for phil mm-hmm. um, and the, the uh, and people told me to stay out, so I stayed out. I stayed out as long as I could mm-hmm. right, and that was ten days after Milqui <laughs> <Right. laughs> let me so in retrospect, if you could have done it, you would have done it eleven days earlier. earlier. Well, I, you know, look, I think you know we don't know how good Frank's going to be, right? The the and who else would they have chosen, right? I don't have that information. Right there now. are also rumors that he wanted to trade Porzingis, and you didn't want to. He did. Would it have been a better deal than the one you guys eventually made? No, it wouldn't have been. No, I mean, look, Phil didn't get along with with uh, KP and his brother, right? They uh, and that was clearly heading in a in a very bad direction, right? Mm. the they, not that Phil was wrong. Phil wanted, I think, them to, you know, Phil grew up in a time and, and played basketball in a time when the players, right, all, no matter what, stuck together and no matter what, right, followed the coach, right? The, the, the times are different now, the, the, uh, but that's where, you know. But, Jim, doesn't it run contrary, though? You said you wanted to stay out, and you told him you didn't want him to trade Porzingis. How come you didn't let him trade Porzingis? Because no, I didn't not let him trade Bozengas. I know I asked the asked for his resignation. Oh, okay. It's a little bit different. Okay, so that was after the Nilakina pick. Yeah. Okay. Right. They. they uh, you know. I mean, because you know it clearly wasn't working, right? And looked like it was. You know, digging us a hole that was even deeper.
1: So the mo there's there's a, a lot of interesting nuggets. In that, uh, in that audio there. But I think the most fascinating thing is, is there's a sigh about, you know, letting Phil Jackson make, make the, the decision to draft, you know, essentially, you know, essentially make that pick in the 2017 draft, you know, Phil Jackson and, uh, and Steve Mills. But the, the thing that's really interesting to me is just the way he chuckles after Frank Aquino's name. He later goes and kind of corrects himself a little bit. And he's like, look, we still don't know what Frank is going to be, what he's going to become. But, uh, you know, the way that he and, like, you know, Kay was kind of, you know, just guiding in the conversation, but he, he as well, like, the way they did, they discussed Frank there really, really made it seem like they don't have very much confidence
2: in him at all. That wasn't the best if you were a Frank fan, but he did, he did also... Uh, he did say that... It's too early to tell, so hopefully. No, I agree, not but I feel like that's
1: just him walking it back after he realized.
2: It's it's definitely possible. He was also is he sighing? I think it's a fair question to ask: Is he sighing about the Frank pick, or is he sighing about? understanding that the process of letting someone make a draft pick and then firing him ten days later does actually look really bad.
1: Yes. I, I, I think it's more that than anything. It's I that part yet. Yeah, I yes, I agree with you that he he kind of realized. But at the same time I was thinking about you know after the interview was finished, I was thinking about it a little more and I'm not that upset about him firing phil necessarily when he he did because like you you gotta just like you know establish that at a certain point a a sunk cost is a sunk cost and you gotta move forward like if he realizes that phil jackson has to go if he really did realize that phil needs to go after making that pick or a couple of days after making that pick into free agency then that's when you gotta get rid of him like or i think i think he was cut like right before free agency but that's fine because that's you don't want him to do more damage than you feel like he's already done at that point. Like you don't know until you know, but you know, you, d- he did wait too long. I think it was pretty obvious that it would probably would have been better to have somebody else to have Scott Perry in position before that draft. But you know, at the same time, it's, you know, when you know a guy's got to go, that's when you got to do it. It's, I'm, I'm more glad that he didn't hold on to Phil Jackson throughout the summer and then fire him before the season, you know?
2: Yeah. i I'm with you that I wanted Phil fired before the draft. I thought he should have been – you could have fired him right after the season. He just screwed up so much. It's just the way the organization functioned and how he kind of had him on the right path and changed lanes. He just – he set them back four or five years. And I remember the night he got fired – I work, so I worked a weird job. I worked 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. And I get off – you typically would get off between like 12.30, around 12.30 though. And I never go to a bar or a drink after work. And I just drove straight to the bar and took like three shots and then went home because I was so happy that he got canned. It was something that needed to be done. And it's honestly – that was – a good owner – and I'm not going – Dolan has a long way to go to prove that he is a good owner. But part of a good owner is knowing when to step in and make decisions. And the, Dolan is going – it's not – it's impossible for an owner to be totally hands-off. So when he does something right – he does deserve credit, and that oh. one, even though maybe the timing wasn't exactly right, he got rid of a guy he needed to get rid of because Phil Jackson had turned, like, the Knicks were, have already been a pretty big laughingstock, but, like, he was making it even more extreme.
1: There have been regime changes that I've agreed with with Phil Jackson. There have been, uh, or with, uh, you know, with, with James Olin. There have been, you know, regime changes that I've not agreed with that he's done, but Ultimately, it's it's exactly what we're saying. You know, when someone has to go, he he has to go, and the person who has to make that decision, the the only person who can fire the the president of basketball operations is the owner. And so, when Dolan has to step in, he's proven that he is capable of doing so. Um, So, uh, for that much, at least, he does. I think that that was a a fascinating insight into actual like, you know, into something he he handled very well for the most part. Would I liked him to have done it? A few weeks previously, yeah, but you know, ultimately, it's not something we can get that hung up on.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. it it's yes, he should have gotten rid of Phil earlier. At least he did the right thing and got rid of him.
1: So, let's take a look at uh, before we get we get off of the uh, Jim Dolan discussion here. Um, let's take a look at just what. The whole Porzingis trade. I, I think this might be the first time that Dolan has really spoken on record since Porzingis was traded. Um, so, you know, let, let's let's listen to this audio right now. Michael K is basically asking, you know, just how what Dolan's feeling was of of the day that Porzingis, you know, everything went down there. Let, let's let's listen up here.
0: I don't want to talk for him, okay. right? The, the uh, you know, he has to explain or, or not. It's up to him, mm-hmm. right? About why he didn't want to be here, right? The, the. I thought our guys tried really hard, right? To, you know, to integrate him into the, into the organization, right? To, to make him feel welcome, et cetera. I mean, Fisdell took the trip out there. Right? Fisdell even went out to, to see him, et cetera, right? The, the uh, you know, like I said, I don't want to put words into his mouth. So for whatever reason, but when he came in and said to us, right, I don't want to be here, right? I'm going to leave as soon at the first chance that I get, right? And I want to be traded, right? I mean, that sort of cast the die on what we had to do. And I think the guys did, a, you know, that Stephen Scott did a great job, right, turning that position, right, the uh, into something that, you know, we can, we can build on.
1: So... You know, he asked him if he was worried that that Porzingis didn't want to be with the organization anymore more, and he kind of deflected and said it was more of you know something for for Stephen Scott to handle, but you know it seemed like that was a moment where everyone has been generally on the same page with each other bear where you know it's like you know it, Chris Oz pretty much flat out said you know i don't want to be here anymore and then they you know Dolan let them make the move that they wanted to make there um I, I think that this is more, and this isn't really so much to do with Porzingis, but the whole the situation where it's kind of a doomsday scenario that day for the Knicks, and it certainly felt like it for us. Um, they seemed to be pretty on the same page in that moment, the you know the three of them, Scott Perry, Steve Mills, and, and Jim Dolan, and ultimately they were able to extract you know a pretty good value, and and it's something also just to touch on you know the the clip from the last segment that they asked him flat out if. If they thought that they would have gotten more value for Porzingis trading him, you know, last summer or or when Phil was there versus, uh, you know, versus right now. Dolan said no, pretty unabashedly no. I tend not to agree with him, but I do like the fact that they were all on the same page at this moment. And I feel like they did get the best offer they could get for him.
2: There's no question the Knicks messaging about the KP trade is organized. And they have all their T's crossed and eyes dotted. I might have said that in the wrong order, but whatever. That's a stupid saying. No, you got it. <laughs> and did I did I get it right? Yeah, okay, no, 100%. Did it the right way. Okay, I should have said you uh, dot your T's and cross your eyes. Right, either. that's what I tend
1: to go with. Agent of chaos.
2: <laughs> but so their messaging is very good with it, and they've stayed on. Like, they've stuck with the bullet points they came up with. When KP finally does talk about it, it's going to be, um, I'm curious to what he has to say about the whole situation. And I have a feeling it's going to be much different bullet points and a much different message. And who to believe there, uh, I'm guessing it's going to be somewhere in the middle. But I don't think the Knicks are going to look as clean in all of this as they're trying to make it out to be.
1: I mean, that's a good point. We do know that, you know, the the organization as a whole, te- you know, they tend to, there are talking points that they have stood to in the past. And that seems to be, you know, it's been oftentimes fairly difficult to extract information out of, out of you know, the insiders there or, or the front office or whatever, you know, staff are talking about here. But they, they are, but just the fact of the matter is the results kind of back it up, right? The res- you know, what they did manage to get from, from the Mavericks, you know, they got the two first-round picks, and they got Dennis Smith Jr. out of it. Like, you know, they're not the best picks necessarily in the world. We're not talking, you know, high lottery picks here, but they still have value, whether that's actually the Knicks making the picks or they trade them. And Dennis Smith Jr., you know, he's had a lot of flaws since he came over here, but is, you know, a, an upgrade from what the Knicks have been building with so far and potentially could be a longer-term piece or, again— Another trade piece that the Knicks could potentially use down the road, so it's like, I I I agree that it might be a, a, you know, this might be more messaging than it is necessarily everything going down as smoothly as it appears to be. But you know, when it, the when it comes down to the uh, you know where the proof is and everything, it's I'm not upset about how that trade went down, and I think that you ask most fans at this point, or even you know. You you ask around Twitter or anything like that, you, you see most people are generally pretty happy with the hall, and the blame for the Porzingis move doesn't fall on the Knicks side of things. The blame so far has pretty much entirely fallen on Christophs himself.
2: Oh yes. I people have been super hard on KP. I don't I think it, I don't really have the animosity towards him that other people do, and I've I've felt that way. It's since fun though. The beginning. Yeah, I get it. And having fun and being a fan, that's fine. But I just, like, are, we're killing a guy for wanting to get away from the Knicks. Well, Why? What have the Knicks exactly done to earn the trust of someone? But, I mean, I'm here rooting for him, so it, it is what it is. Yeah. But, like, I'm just not going to – I hope it works out. I don't really hold anything against KP. Like, if him and Luca go on and be really good, that that's – I am. I don't care. That's fine.
1: Just to distract a little bit from that together. I'm having a little bit of bad breakup syndrome with KP. And I think that Knicks fans in general all are like, there was some video of him uh, going around with the Mavericks, uh, you know, him talking like on the sideline of a Mavericks game the other day. Uh, apparently he's participated in a full contact practice with, with the Mavs now at this point. Uh so I'm ha- like I I feel myself trying to avoid all of that at all stakes because I just don't want to think about it. Uh, I want it as far out of my mind as possible. Uh, but yeah, it does invoke a little bit of pain. I'm not totally healed yet, but uh, you know, overall, when it when it comes down to it, I feel like this organization acted competently. I don't know how much of that is uh, to you know Dolan's credence necessarily, but. You know, we we have placed faith in this front office, and it hasn't been all roses so far. There have been some missteps, and that's to be expected anytime you have, you know, people who are put in a high position to essentially take gambles. But uh, ultimately, I feel like this situation was handled swiftly, and, uh, you know, ultimately, I think we got a decent return there.
2: There's two aspects of this Dolan interview that we're not going to use sound on, but I do think we need to acknowledge And mention so you had you brought it up a little bit the incident that happened that led to the fan getting kicked out and the stuff with the New York Daily News and I'm just gonna I'm gonna be flat out honest and why I didn't pull the audio when I went through it I just I don't care it does that I, I just don't find either of those topics interesting in any way. I get why people are angry. I get why people are frustrated with both of them, but to me and just my sensibilities, it's just not. I'm just it, it does it does nothing for me. It does I, they don't it doesn't generate anger for me in any way. I just I just don't care. I don't know why, but it, it I don't care.
1: The the Daily News thing is is interesting. That there is some obvious you know blackballing going on here when it comes to just how they're treating the, the daily news and, the, you know, just obviously I, I think that Dolan is right that when they are having a, a private conference call like that, he can invite whoever he wants to it. That's also just a, a fun way of organizing a, you know, a press briefing um, where essentially, yeah, you know, there, there should be media members involved. I don't, I don't have a way that necessarily to comment on this one way or the other, I, but I, I don't know. It it, see, it seems like an issue that's waiting to get resolved. It seems like a bit of a pettiness war. But ultimately, it's you know I I it, I'm not really that bothered because it doesn't concern me all that much. The fan uh, thing. The, it, no, go ahead.
2: It'd it just be it'd be nice if they could kind of meet and figure it out. Right. So it's yeah. not something that gets talked about.
1: Yeah, it, it it would be nice if this were a non-story. Basically, is the thing. It doesn't
2: yes. it doesn't seem like
1: something that has to be happening. It just seems like more of a petty war.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Um the other thing is actually a little bit more interesting to me, and you know, we probably should have gotten to this a little bit earlier, but this is interesting where uh you know, the fan got banned, uh, and honestly I'm not I not necessarily for the fan getting—I wasn't for the fan getting banned initially. I was, you know, obviously he was yelling at him like the guy from the Jazz game deserves to get a lifetime ban. You know, the dude who selling sell the team at Jim Dolan after being the worst team in the league for 18 years, you know, or over the past 18 years, that that dude doesn't necessarily deserve a ban until you hear what James Dolan had alleged here. Now, you know, he alleged that he was uh, – he used the word ambush several times in this interview. Um, and he said that the the fan – and from what the uh, Michael K. show corroborated was that they saw footage of, um, you know, these fans kind of following Dolan throughout the arena and then waiting for him to get to the exit point he was going to take and getting into the stands there and chanting, you know, sell the team at him. You know, so they're, they're essentially trying to say uh, – yeah, he's trying to say, like, this thing was planned, this was ambushed, and that's why they got the lifetime ban. It's a little bit of conjecture theory to me at this point, where there, he's just kind of, you know, just trying to work a story around it. I don't know if ambush is really the word I would use here. It's just, it seems like a bit of an overreaction still, but I don't know. What are you, you going to do? You know, ov- overall, it's still, this still is just a story that I would rather go away and be nothing that I'm really all that outraged about.
2: This is how little I've cared about this. So what? There was a video posted on TMZ or something. Is that what happened? The the
1: thing was, he said that immediately after they sold the video to TMZ. You know, the video that everyone has seen. That you know of the. I haven't.
2: This is what I'm asking. I haven't seen the video. I haven't even watched the video. So what did the video have?
1: Okay. So basically, you had you had two fans. Uh, in the stands. They were basically, like, Jim Dolan was exiting through one of the tunnels, like, one of the, you know, to the, like, just behind the basket, to the side a little bit. And the fans were in, like, the second level just behind the basket. And you had one dude who's holding camera, and then you have another guy who's kind of chanting more so. So you have, you have, like, essentially a cameraman and a guy on a mic there, and he's just yelling towards Dolan as loudly as he can, sell the team. Uh, And I I don't know if Dolan (laughs) spotted him beforehand, but then Dolan, you know, comes up to me, and says, what'd you say? And the fan goes, sell the team. And, uh, and Dolan essentially says, you want me to sell the team? How would you, how would you like it if you watched all the games from home? You go, and the fan goes, why, why would I do that? He goes, well, you know, that's rude. He's like, how would, how would you like it if you would just watch all the teams at home? Because you're not coming back here or something along those lines. <laughs> and, uh. And he's it's like good he's content. Like, what? Yeah, and then Dolan yells to his, starts walking away and yells to his security guard, "Hold him for Kevin. Hold him for Kevin." I don't know who Kevin is, but I'm assuming that's the person who is handing out lifetime bands in Madison Square Garden. I don't know if there's a guy whose job it is to only hand out lifetime bands at the Garden. We're just finding out about this now. So Kevin, if you're listening, you know don't be coming for us. But uh, yeah, I, I. But that's essentially what happened there. And then it's apparently right after that video is taken it goes up live on you know whatever media source or tmz i don't know too much about that angle of it all i haven't seen it on tmz myself but uh you know that that basically dolan plays a little game of connect the dots on on the michael gay show where he says you know these people followed me they ambushed me you know behind several barricades and uh you know that's why he handed out the band to them, and then it went up live, you know just moments later.
2: Do you think people are gonna chant that Dolan on oh someday? yeah.
1: oh yeah, because are
2: people are people really that angry about all this?
1: um I feel like people are just more mad in general, like I don't know if it's necessarily. You know, I I don't know if it's necessarily that they're mad about this. I think it's just more that they are you know angry because the Knicks have won 13 games this season.
2: Can we not do this? We're watching like Kevin Knox before shoot this,
1: you know, 35 percent on the season has
2: been our highlight. Can we not do this before the summer? Like, can we just can we just wait? Like, can we just chill? That for, is the problem. Here? Give me
1: like that is really me, that's the subject yeah, of this whole thing. That that is can, yeah. The whole the whole reason why people are so upset about this, and the reason why the why the reason why people are so frustrated at this moment, because things are really lining up to go well right now. You know, people aren't necessarily watching the games as closely right now. People you know aren't as concerned about the on court product because since Christmas Day, all the talk has been that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are signing with the Knicks. And, you know, all we've heard since that initial rumor came out was, you know, people saying, well, just wait, just hold on, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, and it's all come with a wink and a nod, as Dolan has very, you know, very non-subtly did on the Michael Kay show. But things like this are only going to cause, you know, distortion and friction become, between that being a fantasy and a reality. So, you know, that I think that's why people are so frustrated right now is because, like, things are lined up to be better than they've ever been um, in a long time. But things better than they've been in over two decades at this point. And, you know, so, this something so minor as banning a fan for life could reasonably come between that. And that's why people are so frustrated.
2: Is the best way, if that's your concern, to voice that frustration – shitting on the owner right now when he's gonna be a part of this whether you like it or not can't we just get like just my plead for anyone who listens to the podcast can we not yell at Dolan right now and just wait a little bit you can yell at him if this summer goes badly but not right now
1: yeah I mean it's just uh I we we can yell at him this but like at the same time, you know, fan, this is bands go to Madison Square Garden. They're still paying you know, upwards of a hundred dollars per ticket. And well, I
2: mean, that's their own stupid fault. No,
1: I know, but they're there for <laughs> entertainment. And as Dolan, as Dolan has said, you know, in this Michael Kay interview, you know, they they come for you know to get entertained. They come for a good time. He wants everybody to have a good time at Madison Square Garden. Honestly, at this point. You know, when the Knicks are getting blown out by 20 points, and it's not even the second quarter yet, the only way you're going to have a good time is by you know yelling your frustrations at, at your owner, who has you know under you know whether or not it's his fault necessarily or not, this team has underachieved for years, and he is the person who puts the, bring this product to you know our eyes and everything like that. So, you know, you have the right to vo- to voice your frustrations. The fans have the right to protest this even happening in the first place. So I can't necessarily be that mad about it, but yeah, this could also be a tumbling rock syndrome, where you know th- this, you know th- this is just going to grow bigger and bigger over time. It's just going, you know, when, this needs to die down before it becomes a real thing.
2: How, how many games are left in the season? I don't even know.
1: There are. Uh, what are we at right now? We are at game sixty-eight. So we got fourteen left.
2: Go to go to the movies. Binge watch a TV show. We'll tell you what happens in the game, so you don't have to. Uh, what else? The, psh, go outside. It's nice out. It's like March, right? It's got to be nice. I live in Arizona, so it's nice here. I don't know about you guys in New York or in Chicago and stuff.
1: Dude, we just had but our yeah. first day above fifty degrees today. In Is like, that late? Yeah, like in like literally, yeah, a very very long time.
2: I was very upset because it was windy here today and it felt like low sixties unacceptable.
1: Very much though. So. Um, all right. Well, I, I think that's all we got for you necessarily today on this podcast. And I say that because I just spilled a bunch of wine on my desk. Um, I heard that's the, noise. that is the noise you just heard. Yes. Everybody <laughs> a little inside some more inside radio for everybody. Did uh, you break anything? No, I didn't break it anything. Good. I just, I just spilled the wine itself, so I have to clean all of that up.
2: Uh, <laughs> fucking! You,
1: I was you wondering can't, what you that can't, was. You can't make this shit up. No, it's like, so, no yeah.
2: I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed spilled wine. I thought it was like you pushed the button and it made like a weird noise. Did you spill it in the glass or was it at the actual bottle? What did you no, spill? No, it was in
1: the glass. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm classy. I don't drink it right out of the bottle. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, now it's seeping into, uh, you know, my <laughs> so, uh Okay, we get at yeah, the Yeah, before, before we go, uh, really quick, make sure you guys are all heading to the nextwall.com. Um, Harley Geffner has a piece out right now about Frank Neal-Kena coming back to the team and what he could possibly show in his last few games as soon as he's healthy. Uh, Mike Cortez has a fourth edition of the draft board up, came out earlier this week. Uh, get caught up with everybody else, the guys like uh, Nixier Little. Talk about Keldon Johnson from Kentucky a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, you know, tons of other work. Uh, you know, we're we're still plugged in. We're still keeping you upgraded with everything else that's going on throughout the rest of this season. Uh, follow myself at Corvo Anthony. Follow Brian at Brian Gibberman Follow Kyle at Kyle Maggio. The Knicks Wall TKW Podcast. I'm gonna clean up this wine now, and we'll talk to you all. Uh, after this weekend. <laughs>